At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Man, we're really excited to be here. It's awesome to get started. And so now we take off. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Otterman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. The Steelers have four 2022 training camp practices under their belts already, but today, day five, is different from all the ones that came before it. Labs, the pads come on today. I'm sure there is just a buzz around that campus and in those dormitories. The players have got to be thrilled that we're going to be playing some actual football this afternoon. Well, it it goes beyond the players too, because I just want you to know <clears throat> that um, you know the morning the DVE morning show suite is right next door here to the training camp report suite. Um, in um, <laughs> I thought we were calling that the Labriola but, Palatial Estate. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, right next to the uh, right. I mean, located on the first floor of you know Benedict Hall. So I just wanted <laughs> to let you know that if you know you come out of a break or something, or there's a lagging the conversation and you can't get me uh, probably out in the hall uh, doing backs on backers with pursuit because he <laughs> is um, even more over caffeinated than normal. Um, and so there, as you said, there's, there's a buzz around and uh, I'm going to, you can, you, you might hear some pads. <laughs> so you will be in pads though. You'll be wearing pads when you do your backs on backers with pursuit. You brought your shoulder pads to camp with you and your helmets. <laughs> They're in your room right now. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, at this stage of my life, I'm padded 24-7, 365. <laughs> On a serious note, do you, do you, he'll never admit this, but do you think... What, you don't think I was serious? <laughs> <laughs> do you think uh, Do you think Tomlin, and the players obviously do, but do you think Tomlin, after you know day three, day four of non-pads, it's just like, all right, enough of this walkthrough, you know, half speed, three-quarter speed stuff. I, I want to see some of these guys hit people because how can you evaluate without actual football being played? Well, let me tell you this. I mean, there's 32 teams in training camp uh, right now, and I don't know that there is one besides the Pittsburgh Steelers who have live tackling drills mm. every day. I mean, I remember when Mike Tomlin instituted that <laughs> – um, and I was, I happened to be standing down on the field with about, within about three feet of Kevin Colbert and Tomlin didn't tell anyone that he was going to do this. 
because he didn't want anyone to come in and try and talk him out of it. Or maybe in the case of, you know, Art Rooney or Dan Rooney, order him <laughs> not to do very it. Very one-sided talking him out of it. <laughs> right. Because this was when, and it was long enough ago when Le'Veon Bell was here and, you know, not holding out or, you know, any of that stuff. And I read the first play, it was 11 on 11. They hand the ball to Le'Veon Bell and he like bounces outside and you know, he's running towards the sideline where Kevin Colbert and, as I said, I was standing and some other, you know, media and uh, club officials and stuff. And I forget who the DB was. He came up. The safety came over. And, I mean, there was a collision oh. on the sideline. Oh. And, you know, Kevin had like a, one of those <laughs> WTF looks on his face. Uh, and they got up and nobody got yelled at, you know, for because he was tackled to the ground. Right. They did it again. I mean, <laughs> it's very shocking so, that first time you see that, right? And and for um, an NFL team to do that, and for an NFL team to give it to their first team All Pro running back in that drill, so um, yeah, you, you when you asked is Mike Tomlin excited about this, <laughs> um, my answer would be yes, and uh, you know I would expect it to be, um, you know I don't know that Najee Harris is going to get a bunch of carries. If it, it, when they run live tackling, because I, I, I just cannot imagine they won't do that. But um, you know, there, there's gonna there's gonna be some uh, real football out on the on the fields today. Well, before we you know look ahead to day five's practice today with the pads coming on, we got to recap a lot of stuff that went on on Saturday's day four practice. A very fun day at St. Vincent College uh, Hall of Honor class was announced, and Tomlin was extremely enthused in his post practice presser as well. You know the seventeen thousand plus fans on site; it was an incredible atmosphere. So let's take a listen to what Coach Tomlin had to say to the media following day four's practice on Saturday. Man, how about that crowd today, man? We're just so excited to be back in this environment and feel the support of our fans. I'd be remiss if I didn't open up with that. Uh, we had an opportunity to get better today. We snapped the ball. Thankfully, today is the last day of acclimation, and so we're pushing more towards some football. Next time you guys see us, we'll be carrying full pads, and that's just a significant component of this process, man. We'll get an opportunity to stop speculating and start looking at the realities of play, and, and so it's a big day for guys. Um, couple uh, injury updates. We talked about Claypool last time, went down, wasn't able to finish practice with a shoulder. That can be characterized as day-to-day. -day. Uh, like I mentioned prior um, to that, uh, Pat Frymuth has a hamstring that can be characterized as day-to-day. -day. Uh, Marcus Allen went down with a hamstring in practice. That needs to be evaluated before we describe the extent of that. Um, like I always mention, this time of year, bumps and bruises occur along the way. And it's an unfortunate component of the game, but what it is is an opportunity for others. Man, we're running a little short at, at tight end today because of Fryermuth, and it gave a guy like Connor Hayward an opportunity to, to put his skills on display. I thought he stepped up and made some plays today. Um, Casey did yesterday, obviously, with Minka missing some of the time that he's missed. And, and I just make those points because that's what team development is about. Man, there's going to be opportunities and windows of opportunity for guys to uh, – ascend and work in a different group or or to get additional reps and it's important that they ready themselves for those moments and equally as important that they seize them and so we're working on assignments and things of that nature but we're also working on things that kind of represent the game of football we get into the regular season and the starter gets hurt man it is a tremendous opportunity for backup 
And so we get an opportunity to represent that in situations like this when we work. And just thought I'd pause and talk about that for a little bit. Now I'll open it up for questions. What do you like about Connor's day that might be able to translate to? Just highly competitive. Um, he, he warmed up to the competition and, and, and his skills were on display. He didn't shrink in the face of it. Mike, you're a true-blooded true blooded football guy. How excited are you to put on pads or you can't put on pads on that? You'll feel it on Monday, I promise you. Uh, looking forward to it. Mike, along those lines, T.J. Watt seems like he's having a lot of fun out here, really energized. Just what's it like for you last year? He's obviously doing the holding, but to see him out here and thriving in this kind of environment. T.J.'s being T.J., man. We appreciate that. Um, he loves football. He loves to work. He loves to compete. Um, it's guys like that that you really want the young guys to pay, pay close attention to. They have resumes and things that are respectable. But to watch them day to day, I think that's where the real learning occurs. You see why they're able to build the resumes that they have. Does he seem even more energized to be at camp this year and fully participate in everything? I'd be lying if I said yes. He's always energized. <laughs> What's it mean to have one of your guys now in the Hall of Honor, another guy getting in there with Heath? Man, it's great to see big Heath Miller, man. Uh, you know, it's a cool thing to, to, to be in this position long enough to, to get guys to come back and to receive the recognition for their play in days. But equally as important just to come back and see them share and spend time with the current player. I smile when I watch Pat talking to Heath. We had Vince Williams here today and Max Starks and others. Uh, we had Aaron Smith yesterday. Um, that brotherhood, that fraternity, man, you can't. You can't can't describe it, um, but you feel it, and it is appreciated. What's your best recollection on the field? I just love the fact that Heath worked in silence. You know, um, you talk about a man of few words, man. Heath was a man of no words, um, but man, you felt the intensity um, in his demeanor and in his play. And I just think it's a unique thing when a when a quiet guy. Um, still is able to display intensity and you feel it in his presence. You got Kenny involved in seven shots today. Is that something he earned or just part of the process of playing for getting his reps increased? Reps are going to come, not only for him, but for everyone. Uh, we're at the very early stages of this. Everyone's going to get an opportunity to show their capabilities for sure. What do you think of the throw he made? Which one? The, in the seven shots for Kenny that throw. It's, it's a bunch of throws, man. I'm not, you know, hanging my hat on one particular play. I'm not making any, um, you know, I'm not making any guesses about participation. I deal in reality and what, who we have working and what transpired today. We'll see what happens as we move forward. You've seen Anthony Miller for a long time, and you've had him here for a year. What are your thoughts on that? What, what can you tell me about it? You know, this is his first opportunity to, to be on the train when it leaves the station. Oftentimes we pick guys up and they get on a moving train during the course of the season and so forth. Um, it's good that he's had the totality of, of the offseason, uh, the learning process. And I, I think uh, being a, a component of the entire process is showing in a, in a positive way. That's Coach Tomlin speaking with the media following day four's practice on Saturday at Labs. He always shares the injury report, and uh, some of the big guys on it was Claypool and Pat Fryermuth. They did not participate in practice on Saturday. But as he noted, it's an opportunity for guys to step up and make a name for themselves. And in seven shots, uh, he touched on this a little bit, but Connor Hayward really did that. He really took um, you know, the opportunity that was presented to him and ran with it. Yeah, I mean, it. Connor Hayward uh, definitely uh, caught a touchdown pass and seven shots. And then I'm going to be curious to find out because there was another play 
where the ball was thrown into the end zone and it kind of got batted around a little bit. And Connor Hayward came down with it. And then, you know, it's a question of whether was he down by contact, you know, outside of the end zone or did he uh, cross the plane uh, of the goal line. So, you know, it's hard to see a lot of times because there's so many bodies standing around um, and, those things are usually argued out and discussed and debated during the film session, you know, in the early evening. So um, I'm sure word will trickle out one way or the other, whether Connor Hayward, you know, ended up with two touchdown passes, uh, catches in seven shots or only one. But then through the rest of the practice, I mean, he was much more visible uh, in a lot of the passing periods, uh, caught a bunch of passes. Uh, you could kind of describe them as, you know, underneath routes, check downs, those kind of things. But, I mean, uh, he did get a lot more targets, and he didn't drop anything. So, uh, you know, I would characterize it as a good day for him. Yeah, that's all you can ask. When an opportunity comes, uh, you know, knocking at your door, you got to be able to deliver. And so far, so good for him. Hopefully, though, Fryermuth and Claypool, for that matter, can get back onto the practice field soon. Don't don't expect those injuries to you know be really lingering that much. It's really just you know a day to day thing, as as Tomlin and you noted in your uh, your uh, practice report from Saturday. Well, yeah, and also um, as part of that uh, presser, you heard Mike Tomlin asked about Anthony Miller, the mm-hmm. veteran wide receiver. Spent some time on the practice squad, was added to, to that practice squad. Um, I can't remember exactly when, but it was sometime during the process, or as Mike Tomlin says, he got on a moving train. Um, now, he and Miles Boykin both, another veteran, uh, Boykin was uh, released by the Ravens. You know, These are two guys who um, they've shown some things in, in training camp, and you know when you look at the depth chart there at wide receiver, you know, you have, you know, if you want to play the numbers game right now, you have, um, you know, George Pickens, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and the, then you're starting to look at, you know, some of the other guys who, you know, might have an opportunity or, um, you know, com- uh, contribute or compete for a roster spot. That was the word I was looking for, compete. And, you know, um, Anthony Miller and Boykin are, are on that list. You know, the, how, are they going to keep five? Are they going to keep six? Is Gunnar Olszewski considered, um, you know, a, strictly a special teams guy? Or, right. you know, does he make the team at um, a wide receiver and then return kicks as well? you got rookie Calvin Austin the third, who is, uh, if you're looking at something that he brings that no one else does, uh, for me, it's his burst, his, you know, uh, raw speed. So, um, you know, the Steelers lost some veteran receivers over the offseason, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, Ray-Ray McLeod, uh, and there was some thought-slash-fear that this was going to be an ex- inexperienced green group. But, you know, as a, again, uh, and this, this to me has been uh, the case for the last few summers, the wide receiver group is a tough group to cut. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an easy... You know, where you're you're looking at the depth chart and watching practice and say, okay, here's the line right here. You know, these guys on this side of the line make it. These guys on this side of the line are long shots and or have hopes only if they're, you know, some injuries. Right. But um, the Steelers have seven guys maybe. Uh, and, again, as I mentioned, how, how do they categorize Olszewski who are going to be in this mix? And so, uh, yeah, there, there are some opportunities for guys, as an example, when Chase Claypool uh, – 
has a little bit of a shoulder injury. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her. Each in women's petite and plus sizes. And Stafford and Mutual Weave for him. Style and comfort for all, even big and tall. Plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Well, another development from Saturday's Seven Shots was the debut of Kenny Pickett in the drill, and it went relatively well for him. Uh, you noted he threw a fade pass into the back of the end zone that was grabbed by Tyler Vaughn. So Kenny Pickett finally getting his feet wet in Seven Shots, and you heard Tomlin and his presser say, you know, more opportunity is going to come to guys as we work our way through this training camp. It was It's just a very early on in the process. Yeah, and I think Mike Tomlin's plan with Kenny Pickett in terms of you know, public proclamations is going to be to, to be as neutral as possible. Yeah. I don't think Seems he's going like to go over go overboard praising him or ripping him. Um, you know, it's going to be uh, a show me kind of situation with Kenny Pickett. Something he's going to have to show. You know, over time too. It's not going to be a you know uh, an, any kind of anointing after a drill or burying him after a drill uh, period in a particular practice. So. Um, you know, Mike Tomlin is often slow to, uh, you know, as they used to say about Chuck Knoll, he throws around compliments like manhole covers. <laughs> um, and, you know, Tomlin is kind of like that, especially with young people, with rookies, with new additions to the roster. So, um, you know, the Kenny Pickett thing, it's a, it's a process. I won't call him a project because that implies something that I don't think is the case. So, you know, we're just going to have to see how things unfold. Despite Kenny Pickett having a relatively successful debut in seven shots and Hayward's uh, positive contributions, the defense was still able to walk away with the win. That's two wins for the defense in three tries uh, with seven shots. But things become a lot different when they do seven shots today than the previous three days. Yeah, I mean, I, I and I don't know that there's uh, live tackling in that drill or anything, but I would imagine that at some point... There's still got to be some more uh, banging, right? Some more bumping around. Well, uh, you know, if for no other reason, there's going to be uh, uh, the offensive line now, I think, is going to have a little bit more of an opportunity to do its job. And I was talking to Craig Wolfley uh, about this, and he was explaining to me how it's difficult to do your job as an offensive lineman without pads when you're not hitting, because so much of doing your job as an offensive lineman is about, you know, getting your hands on people, being physical with them. You know, as Russ Grimm always said, moving someone from point A to point B against his will. So um, maybe that had something to do with the number of times we've seen defensive players have free runs into the backfield, uh, but that stops now. I mean, that's not an excuse anymore. As an offensive lineman, you know, you're allowed to get a hat on a hat, as they say. So um, that's going to be part of seven shots. And I would also imagine at some point, since the ball's on the two-yard line, you know, Najee Harris might come into uh, mm. play here too and not as a receiver. You know, it's, it's not a rule 
in seven shots that it has to be a pass every time. Uh, I, I understand that this is the early part of camp and you're wanting to work both offensively and defensively on you know, the quarterback reading the coverage, delivering the ball to the right spot, receivers running the correct routes, making plays um, in traffic, and you, uh, subs, uh, subsequently on defense too, you want your defensive backs to be able to you know, pick up the coverage, get through the rub routes and the crossing patterns and all that, you know, trash and traffic that's going on down there and, and do their job as well. Now, though, um, you know, play action might actually mean something, <laughs> you know, because they might give him the ball. Yeah, there's and the, then you the might threats have to tackle there now, him. yeah. You're right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think seven shots is going to take on a whole new dimension starting today. Well, can't wait to come back tomorrow and talk about a padded seven shots with you. When we come back on this training camp report, though, we're going to get into T.J. Watt being T.J. Watt, like Mike Tomlin said in that presser. And, and you, you did touch a little bit on the wide receiver group, but there was one wide receiver in particular that I wanted to kick around with you as well. That's all on the way next here on the Steelers training camp report right here on Steelers Nation Radio. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Opperman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. A lot of guys through four days of practice have turned some heads, but no one has been as eye-popping as the Defensive Player of the Year, T.J. Watt, who's just simply doing Defensive Player of the Year things in the early going of training camp. Now, the pads don't come on until practice today. That kicks off around 1.55 this afternoon, but... As far as how TJ's looked without the pads on, I think explosive is a really good adjective that you could apply uh, to his play. And, you know, just the savviness from being that veteran presence and being that defensive player of the year is just, you see that so much now in his 2022 camp. And remember, this is something we didn't get to see last year from TJ. He didn't really participate in training camp because of the contract negotiations. Well, the thing about TJ Watt is, I mean, this guy came to the Steelers. He came into the NFL. Um, and I say this with all due respect and as, 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 and complimentary, an old man, you know, he wasn't a young guy. No, but I mean, he comes with a seriousness and a professionalism and a business-like approach that is not really normal for someone, uh, the age that he was as a rookie. So, um, he, when he showed up at camp this year, uh, the fact that he won Defensive Player of the Year last year, I don't know that that meant anything to him in terms of, you know, normal human behavior is something you you achieve something like that and you just go, ah, you know, yeah, right, ah, I did it. So, but if anything, I mean, I think he's more determined and juiced to, you know, either show that <clears throat> he deserved that or that he wants another one. Um, you know, I don't know specifically what is in his head, but there doesn't seem to be any satisfaction uh, around surrounding him at all. And so there's that. And then the other thing is, as you mentioned, his um, his explosiveness has really been um, on on uh, on show so far. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned in the previous uh, segment, it's a little bit difficult for the offensive players to try and deal with a guy like T.J. Watt. If you can't, you know, you certainly don't want to um, cut him or anything like that. Right. You know, it's not that you don't hit him, but, you know, let's be smart and professional about this. This guy's a hugely significant part of this team. So, you know, you're trying to direct them and 
uh, a little bit or those the things that you can kind of do as an offensive uh, lineman or uh, pass blocker under these rules and the padless practices and it's really you know it's it's impossible you can't yeah um, you can't control the guy that way you just can't and as you mentioned he's so savvy he has such a good understanding he knows the Steelers playbook and I mean he's just everywhere you don't want him to be uh, he's been very disruptive uh, and one of the things that I would just suggest with my very untrained and unprofessional football eye is here's an idea let's not run that quick sideline screen to TJ Watts side anymore <laughs> I was just because bring it's that not up, yeah <laughs> it is not going to work um, so uh, and I don't know if any um, any Steelers opponents are listening to this show, probably the Ravens for sure, because they have such respect for my insight and knowledge. <laughs> um, but you know, that, that, that stuff doesn't work. You know, you, you, you run it at him a couple of times and he's going to do kind of the kinds of things that he did yesterday, you know, bat them in the air, intercept one, uh, you know, he's always in the way of what you're trying to do on offense, which is bad for that unit. But, exactly what you want to see from the defense. I love how you said, you know, you, you might be able to get away with it once, but once he sees it a couple of times, I mean, if you keep throwing those quick wide receiver screens, you're, you're almost tempting fate for a pick six at, at that juncture. I mean, it's just a, he's going to get his hands on the ball. It's just a matter of if he comes away with the interception or if he just bats it down into the turf. Um, we've, seen, we've seen that from him. Uh, the When you were talking about, you know, him batting down the ball in those wide receiver screens, my – my mind just played that video of Baker Mayfield in the Cleveland Monday night game late last year where Watt just swatted the ball right out of the air when he tried to pass it and gave him the, the old Hakeem Olajuwon or Dikembe Mutombo, excuse me. <laughs> no, not today. I mean, it, the guy is without question the best player on the field when he steps on the field. And, you know, you talked about how you don't see any satisfaction with him. I wonder if the fact that he tied Strahan for the sack record instead of officially breaking it and having that record all to himself, I wonder if that has been some motivation in this offseason. Like, that's great. I, I, you know, I matched the Hall of Famer Strahan, and, and I, I reached a number that only he has reached before in that category, but I need to break it. I need T.J. Watt's name to be the only name next to that record. Yeah, I mean, T.J. Watt, I think, is one of those guys who will maybe go out of his way uh, to find things to motivate himself, you know, manufacture some slights or, you know, how he was robbed or, you know, whatever might be um, the case in terms of, you know, that gets his juices flowing. Like, for example, and the Madden it, rating this year. He was less than Miles yeah. Garrett. That's something he could use <laughs> right. to really motivate him. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, <clears throat> that's what makes um, those guys, <clears throat> excuse me, those, those guys who have that ability <clears throat> to do that, you know, extra special extra dangerous for the opponent. So, you know, whatever uh, T.J. Watt has used over the offseason to come to this camp uh, motivated, uh, it's working. I, I can just tell you that. I don't know exactly what it is, um, but whatever it is, it's working. And I'm, I'm sure that over the course of, you know, this camp preseason process and then into the regular season, who knows, um, the fact that, you know, if the Steelers are picked to finish below 500 for the first time in, you know, Mike Tomlin's career or, you know, the defense is criticized for having so many uh, highly paid players and, you know, where they finished last year in NFL rankings in terms of yards allowed and points allowed. Uh, he'll figure it out. He'll find something. And um, I'm sure he'll make it work for him, too. Now, 
Like I mentioned, he did not participate in the training camp last year for the most part. He did individual stuff, of course, as he was working on a contract. Obviously, you can't predict injury. There's no way we could sit here and look into a crystal ball and say, he's going to play every single game this year. Oh, he's only going to miss one week. Uh, There's just no way to tell. But I feel, and I'm interested if you feel the same way, that at least having this full training camp schedule under his belt this year will be more advantageous to staying healthy throughout the regular season than last year, where he wasn't injured. I wouldn't say he was injury-prone last year, but a couple games where he had to uh, either check himself out early in the game or just miss completely due to injury. I wonder if a full schedule of ramping his body up might be able to make him a little bit more durable this year. Yeah, I mean, I really think that you can look at that issue that you just posed either way. I mean, there's there's something to be said certainly for getting your body into – uh, what I'll call hitting shape. Um, but then there's also uh, a case that can be made for, you know, um, you, you throw a glass uh, a glass bottle on the ground uh, enough times and it's going to break. It just is. So, yeah. you know, it's a fine line. you got to walk there. Uh, as an example, today, I wouldn't expect to see too much T.J. Watt in backs on backers. Um, I just, you know, it's not... Do we really need to see T.J. Watt's pass rush moves? Um, and, you know, the other thing is, you know, Mike Tomlin may, you know, and I'm, I was, I've been thinking about this, you know, throughout the morning because, you know, there's nothing to do here besides listen to Pursuta um, through the wall uh, and wondering how Mike Tomlin might handle it. You know, he might go one of two ways, not use him hardly at all, or he may put him out there first, uh, just to set a tone for the defense, because I remember a couple of years, a couple of summers, um, he would put James Harrison out. And, you know, the way the drill is, is structured is there's two defenders and only one of them attacks, you know, the backfield and the, the blocker, whoever it is, has to like read the situation and first of all, do that and then get himself in a position to deal with which one of the two guys is coming. But when Mike Tomlin would put Harrison out there, you know, they all called Harrison Debo. Right. Um, and Tomlin would, you know, that Harrison would go out, you know, for his rep, and Tomlin would just start yelling, Debo's coming. <laughs> you know, you know, there's, no, there's not going to be any attempt at trickery or camouflage, you know, or disguise or any of that. You know, he's coming. He's going to run you over. Deal with it. You know, how can you deal with this? So – that, that that could that could be a a method too. So you know, a lot of these little subplots also make backs on backers interesting, and that's one of the ones I'll be watching. Going to be a lot of exciting things to take a look at today when the pads come on. Uh, wide receiver play gets a little different when the pads come on as well. You know, it's not just you know getting off the line easy as possible and getting into your route. You're going to have to fight off some defensive backs. Looking at the wide receiver room, you know, we we just talked about. T.J. Watt, Defensive Player of the Year, he's been shining at training camp. Everybody expected him to shine, though. Uh, Another guy that I think is being mentioned just as much as T.J. is having a great impact early on has been the second-round pick, George Pickens, out of Georgia. Uh, The guy has just been a darling in everybody's eyes so far this camp period. Really interested to see how he does now with pads on and those DBs jamming him at the line of scrimmage, see how his get-off is. Yeah, I mean, you know, with, with wide receivers in the NFL today, it's not like it used to be decades ago where there were two starters and then other guys 
fill different roles. You know, offenses now have multiple personnel packages. And so, you know, to say a wide receiver only started three games uh, out of a 17-game season might not mean anything. I mean, he might have been on the field more in terms of percentage of snaps than the two guys listed as quote-unquote starters. So let me just say this. George Pickens is a starting caliber wide receiver in the NFL already. Now, you know, how how that all plays out in terms of, you know, opening play personnel packages, we'll see. But, I mean, this guy has it all. He's he's fast. He's big. He's physical when he needs to be. He has good hands. Uh, I have not seen any fear in him uh, at all regardless of where the where he's running routes where the ball you know how the ball arrives is it high does he have to jump for it does he have to reach behind him you know some of those physical positions that the arrival of the football puts a receiver in that are somewhat more dangerous than others um you know he he just i mean he he doesn't look like a rookie at all ever and another thing i'm interested to see about george pickens is this uh, you know, backs on backers is famous for, uh, you know, the the matching, the pitting of, you know, tight ends and running backs against outside linebackers, you know, and, the, and that kind of pass blocking. Well, down the road a little bit at camp, you know, and it's not as publicized and it's, you know, doesn't have as much fanfare. They have what they call a little man backs on backers, which is <laughs> wide receivers blocking safeties and corners. Okay. So George Pickens, I mean, I've seen some um, clips of him when he was at Georgia. He's not afraid to get in um, a defensive back's face and block for running plays. That physicality extends beyond just, you know, making combat catches. He likes to hit somebody. Yeah, and, you know, when you look at the success of a running game, you know, the ability for, you know, a four- or five-yard gain to become a 12-, 15-, 20-yard gain is often blocking on the perimeter. And that's probably where George Pickens is going to, you know, spend a lot of his time. And so uh, I've seen him do some of those kinds of things in college to help spring, you know, Georgia running backs. And so, you know, uh, I know that Alabama and Georgia uh, are rivals on the football field in college. But, I mean, um, this Georgia wide receiver could become the Alabama running back's uh, best friend in terms of (laughs) helping spring him on some of those runs that, you know, we're all looking for him to have. You mentioned how he doesn't look like a rookie at all. You talked about a ton of positive attributes he has to his game. Is there one thing so far, and it's super early, so you know I'm not going to hold you to it if you don't really have one yet, but is there one thing that you've noticed that he does in his game that is just so much better than the rest, maybe high-pointing a ball, the combat catch, the route running, any, anything early that's shown that he's just over and above everybody else at? He doesn't drop it. I love to hear you that. Know what I mean, there's yeah. never, there's never any um, lack of concentration or um, you know turning upfield too quick or you know any of the uh, simple uh, stupid mistakes you know that human beings make. You know, and, and it's it's not just young guys; it's it's everyone. He doesn't. He hasn't. Let me say, I won't say he doesn't. Right. He hasn't done that at all. And um, you know, it just seems to me that you know he'll catch the ball away from his body. He he will. You know, he reaches for it. He. Uh, the other thing that I notice about receivers is the sound that the ball makes when it hits their hands. 
You know, if it sounds like, you know, kind of like uh, slapping a pillow, that's what you're looking for. If it sounds like clapping your hands, that's not what you're looking for. And when the ball hits George Pickens' hands, it doesn't make very much of a sound. And so, you know, that usually means he's catching it with his fingers, his hands. That's what they teach them to do. That's the best way to do it. And the other thing I have not seen from him yet is when he gets his hands on the ball, it's a completion. It's not, you know, he secures the catch, to use a, the coaching phrase. So, um, again, there's, it's really not a singular physical attribute that this guy has that to me is uh, outstanding. It's that he already plays like a pro, and he's not. And he didn't even play much last year in college. Yeah, right. So he was hurt a lot, yeah. Because of that, yes, because of that injury, uh, and he, um, the Steelers really like the fact that he hustled back from that injury to join his teammates, you know, down the stretch and play in the uh, college football playoff when he could have, you know, the, the, the significance of the injury that he sustained, that could have been one where you just, you know, the doctor says, nah, that's a, that's a eight month injury. You know, this guy's done, but he hustled himself back, did the rehab, got on the field and he made a play deep down the field against Alabama um, that, you know, it was early in the game, but it was a tone setter. You know, if, if you're a Georgia Bulldogs fan or player or coach or anything, you know, you're playing Alabama. You, there's a little, I won't say that there's doubt, but there's that little bit of whatever it is in the back of your mind that you're going against the heavyweight champion and you need to get out to a good start. Well, George Pickens made that catch down the field early and that not only had to energize his teammates, but it had to make Alabama, their coaching staff, the sideline, that defense think, uh Oh, you know, what are we going to have to deal with, with this guy? So, um, Statistically, it wasn't a significant contribution, but psychologically, I, I, I think it was. Well, the Steelers are certainly hoping that Pickens can set the tone for them often in games during his rookie campaign. When we come back, we're going to wrap up today's training camp report. We're going to preview today's padded practice a little bit more, and we're going to get Labs' thoughts on the Hall of Honor class that was inducted this past Saturday up at St. Vincent College. So all that is on the way next right here on the training camp report on Steelers Nation Radio. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Opperman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. Saturday's practice at St. Vincent was really such a surreal scene. I don't have to tell you that, Labs. You were right in the heart of it. Uh, You sent me a Twitter video before we went on the air this morning from Peter King. Uh, He was at Latrobe on Saturday for the practice, and he was filming for about a minute straight the cars that were lined up waiting to get into the fan entrance at Chuck Knoll Field, St. Vincent's campus. And at the very end of about a minute of filming these cars, the camera turned to Pete and he said, it's 1030 in the morning right now. And the practice doesn't start for another three to four hours. I mean, Steelers Nation on Saturday was just, it was something, I think surreal, like I said, is the best word that you can use to describe it. Yeah, I mean, uh, for this particular training camp, you know, the post-pandemic version, I guess, of going away, you know, to a small college campus, um, what the Steelers have gone to now, it's still free. Parking's free, admission's free. You just need to get a ticket, yeah. You have to reserve a free ticket. Well, there were 17,000 tickets reserved for yesterday's (laughs) practice. I mean, Saturday's practice. So, um, I... 
you know, there were a lot of people there. Whether everybody showed up or not, I don't know. But there were a lot of people there. I, I would imagine that maybe some were, you know, disappointed or whatever, and then turned around and left when they saw that line. <laughs> because as you mentioned, that video there, you know, he's riding in a car, you know, past the the cars that are lined up. So I mean, it's it's there's a lot of cars. I mean, it's not like he's walking where you right, right, see right. so many. Um. So yeah, there were, uh, it was, and again, uh, no pads. I mean, it's not like they were there for the first day <laughs> in pads either. Um, because I'm going to be honest, uh, I had enough of padless practice. I mean, I, I had to go and I, cause that's my job and, you know, write a practice report about it, but I was not enthusiastic about watching more of that again. I just, you're just not right. You watch it in OTAs, you watch it in mini camp. Okay, you know, let's let's play, let's at least practice football now. So, um, yeah, the dedication, the interest level, there's no Ben. You know, a lot of these things that you can point to that in some national media have that would point to the Steelers as being in a quote-unquote rebuilding phase or, you know, heading toward a mediocre season. I'm just using some of the popular adjectives. Um, was not in evidence on Saturday. I mean, the people were here, and when... Mike Tomlin, he spoke to the crowd before practice started as part of that um, initiative, you know, bring back football or whatever it was that the NFL had league-wide on the first Saturday of training camp. So Mike Tomlin's talking, you know, to the fans and thanking them. And, you know, I won't say he was firing them up, but he was fired up. Yeah. And he brought Heath Miller, who was in attendance with his wife and family, um, because he was part of the Hall of Honor announcement. And he brought him out to the middle of the field, and the people went crazy. Oh, and you know what they were chanting, or, or you know, what, it's not a chant, but <laughs> what they, you know. Um, so, um, yeah, they were into it, too. So uh, it was a beautiful day, and um, boring practice, but people <laughs> turned out, and they waited in line, and they stayed. And, uh, and the, a lot of the businesses in the area were very happy that those people then patronized a lot of them <laughs> on their way home. I'm very sure they were. Uh, before we get into, you know, the padded practice today, and like we mentioned all day during the training camp report, the first padded practice is today at 155. So if you want a little bit more excitement in your practice, make sure you head up to campus today. But uh, Hall of Honor class was announced on Saturday. If you haven't heard it yet, just to recap real quick, Sam Davis, the guard from 1967 to 1979, made it. Ray Matthews, halfback slash right end from from 1951 to 1959 made it. As we just mentioned, Heath Miller, 2005 to 2015 tight end, is in the class. And Myron Cope, the legendary broadcaster and creator of the Terrible Towel, is in this year's Hall of Honor class. Labs, great work. You and the committee did a phenomenal job, as always. And the one thing you said on the training camp report on uh, Saturday, before it was announced, that you like to do is have someone from each era in Steelers history represented. I think mission accomplished as far as this class is concerned. Yeah, and, you know, thanks for the compliment. Great job. But, I mean, I've, I don't know that I've ever had an easier job than this. Uh, it's <laughs> – it's well, no, but because there are so many worthy people. Yeah. And, you know, and it's not – so many times – I mean, every time the committee's gotten together, I've gone into the session thinking, um, you know, with everyone we've talked about, discussed, debated, it's, it's a, more of a question of when, not if. You know, I, I can't remember a name that's been brought up since we started this in 2017 where um, 
you think, well, that guy doesn't deserve it. You know, it's, yeah, he does, but these guys, I think, deserve it more right now or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, this is this was a class, a thing I also mentioned in terms of me personally, I like to see is you mentioned, you know, uh, the different eras being represented, and I like that. Always try for that. And the other thing you want is you want the fans to be excited about some of these guys, some of these people. And certainly, you know, Ray Matthews being from the 50s, uh, Sam Davis, even though he has four Super Bowl rings, um, you know, he's an interior offensive lineman. You know, a lot of fans, especially younger fans, might not have a real understanding about the contributions these guys made to this franchise. But Heath Miller and Myron Cope, everybody knows. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I think that the, the those are a couple of the people uh, that the fans could really rally around. They certainly did uh, when Heath Miller made a personal appearance on the field and, you know, watched practice for a while and, you know, um, if you want to know Myron Cope's impact, you know, just turn around and look up at the stands of Chuck Noll <laughs> Field here and all the people on the hillside, and they're either twirling terrible tiles or they're using them to, you know, uh, mop the perspiration uh, from their faces from the sun uh, or shield themselves from the sun so their necks don't get overly burned. I mean, terrible tiles are multi-purpose um, uh, items, and everybody has one. And uh, at least one, and everybody uh, knows how to use it. You mentioned how you know this is one of the easiest jobs you've ever had. I'm sure you already have a pretty decent list of guys that didn't make the cut this year that you you know have written down for when you know this process begins again for 2023. You're gonna pick right back up there. I'm sure, like you said, there's no shortage of people that you have in mind moving forward. No, really, and and, and there's not. I mean, you could there there have been times where um, you could go with. A single position, you know, just put in nobody but defensive linemen, yeah, or nobody but running backs, or nobody but receivers, um, and you know, so many categories are are not, are not even touched yet. Assistant coaches, how about that group? Yeah, um, you know, so uh, there's there's a lot of uh, um, deserving uh, and people, eligible people, and um, I, that's why I think it's you know it's a lot of fun. Um, for the fans to, I won't say necessarily participate, even though they do have a, 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 a small role in what there, there are fan nominations that are, you know, accepted, requested. But, you know, in terms of actual picking, you know, it's not a fan vote. So, but, um, you know, the fans have a stake in this. Art Rooney wanted the fans to have a stake in this, and so this is that's why the the procedure was kind of devised this way. Um, but there's, I think that you know fans get behind this; they get somewhat excited about it. And uh, you know, I think that you know when the class is announced and uh, there there's when the players are uh, still alive uh, and available, you know, to uh, participate in the actual ceremony as Heath Miller was, yeah. you know, I think that that's fun for them as well. 
The pads come on today for day five at St. Vincent Steelers training camp. Practice today starts at 1.55. Some more stuff to look forward to, though, if you are headed up today. The legend for this uh, today's photo op is Mike Logan, safety from 2001 to 2006 and member of Super Bowl 40s uh, team. So you can get a picture with Mike Logan, talk it up with him, probably get an autograph. Uh, and Labs, you said you had a couple of updates as well on some of the TBDs we had for some of those legend ops. Uh, let me just throw this out, though, about Mike Logan. Mike Logan was very um, open and accepting and helpful uh, to some young safety that they brought in uh, during the, the end of his career, uh, a guy by the name of Paul Mollen. Mm, that doesn't ring a bell. Mike Logan hoped, uh, helped <laughs> and tutored a little bit and, you know, kind of passing the torch on to someone who, you know, might be one of the all-time favorite Steelers in terms of, you know, fans ever and uh, a Hall of Fame guy. So, you know, that's the kind of guy that Mike Logan was as a professional player. Um, yeah, a couple of updates. Um, we, I think we mentioned uh, Rocky Blyer uh, w- was added to the list. He will be August 3rd. Uh, another addition to the list on August 9th is Tim Worley. Okay. August 10th is Merrill Hodge. And then, you know, you close with uh, what I you, – you always want to – I guess when you do a, a show, you know, the, the, the act that closes the show is, you know, usually the headliner. Right. I mean, concerts, you know, you don't play, uh, you know, the who doesn't open for, you know, some uh, raggedy band, you know, the Rolling Stones there, you know, they're the headliner. They play at the end. Well, the, the Steelers uh, closer on August 18th is a guy named Mel Blunt. I think you've heard of him. Yeah, I have. Um, that must be why we open the festivities on SNR. Then we're the opposite of the headliner. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> we we get we get the group warmed up. <laughs> That'll do it for today's training camp report. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen. We'll be back again tomorrow at nine a.m. recapping the first padded practice that gets underway at one fifty-five today. Wolf and Starks are in the locker room up next, so keep it right here on Steelers Nation Radio. At J.C. Penny, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment, watch it now on digital. Rated R.